Welcome to episode 95 of the Thoughtcast, Conversations About Animation. I'm your host, Philip Elke. Uh, the Thoughtcast, where we melt things down to their essence. Uh, we don't boil things down necessarily. We, we don't get that in depth. We try to keep things sort of to a manageable length here. But today, uh, we are discussing a film that is of an impressive length, uh, a three-hour film, and we won't be labor it too much, I don't think, but I'm just more than thrilled to say that, you know, we will be joined, you and I, the listener and myself, by the inimitable Jody Pulaski to talk the Batman today. How are you, Jody? Hi, everyone. I'm so excited to be here today. I am joining you from the Augusta Airport. So if you hear a little background noise, that is where I am at today. And I was lucky enough to catch this movie last weekend. Three hours of dark, moody, kind of sexy, kind of dirty, you know, Robert Pattinson, the Batman. And I'm excited we're able to talk about it. We're able to squeeze this in before my next trip. So thanks for having me, Philip. No, I, I am happy you're willing to join me from the airport. This is uh, exciting uh, and you sound good. The, uh, yeah, Augusta, it's not Augusta. Well, we don't necessarily have to <laughs> state where it is, but uh, most people when they hear Augusta, you know, back to their uh, grade school days of learning the, the state capital, capitals associate that name with, uh, with Maine. But that's not where you are. It's it's the uh, you know it's the Augusta in Georgia, home of the Masters, right? It's home like- of the Masters, and actually that has made our airport a little busier than ever because <laughs> the Masters start in about five days. Nice. So players and their families are already starting to make their way to our little town and give us a little economic boost for a second. I'm not a golfer, but it is fun to see a little bit of action in this otherwise kind of sleepy area of the South. Mm-hmm. Well, it's starting to warm up here in northern Minnesota. We, we do have a fresh layer of snow right outside my window, but, um, you know, that'll evaporate fairly quickly. Oh, thaw uh, <laughs> with a little help or hope. And uh, what do they call it? Love. Love will thaw a frozen heart. Um, and yeah, uh, the Batman is, uh, you know, it's comics. Uh, so we, we like to talk about all kinds of different things on this podcast, uh, whether it be, um, you know, an anime, a fully animated film or something containing a lot of like visual effects, uh, blockbusters, etc. cetera. Um, and, you know, this being a, a sort of a detective noir film as well. It's kind of fun to get into that sort of genre um the yeah who doesn't love batman we did talk about joker my brother and i on on the thoughtcast in a previous episode i can't remember if uh batman's come up at all previously other than that or dc comics i yeah i don't think we've done too much talking about um dc in general and like for me at least it's been kind of rare to hop in on a superhero uh episode because i don't know so much about that world and in fact i i convinced myself to go to this one because robert pattinson uh the lead in the batman was from twilight and that was sort of my my pull to go Mm. to it because i was like you know what what has this moody vampire been up to and what i found out is he is still 
moody and still kind of up at night like a vampire. Um, but yeah, I haven't done too many superhero ones with you. I think this might be my first. Well, yeah, it's a, it's a fun time to talk uh, talk the RPAT. Um, I, I did see all the Twilight films recently, and I've seen some of his other work. You know, he's a, he's a great actor. He really made an impression you know, back when we kind of all saw him as uh, appear as Cedric Diggory in the fourth Harry Potter movie. And uh, just uh, that, that role had to make an impact because it's such a sort of pivotal moment in the Harry Potter saga. Uh, and, and that, you know, the success of that led to just this utterly like peerless <laughs> rise in I guess uh, this upwards trajectory that no actor could possibly um, anticipate. <laughs> he and Case do, of course, and and he's been sort of since the Twilight films keeping a lower profile, but he's been in some good like indie. Uh, yeah, I guess he's in a Safdie Brothers film um, called Good Times. It's fun. Um, yeah, but some of these. Um, under not not necessarily underappreciated but um just lesser known uh films that you kind of have to seek out and um they're, they're generally a, a good treat oh he was in tenet as well with christopher nolan sort of uh, a bit of a return to blockbusters and that sort of presaged his uh outing here as batman as bruce wayne uh so I've been hearing a lot about this film in the lead up. And of course, it, it had several delays due to the pandemic. Um, Matt Reeves has always been tossing around the idea of, uh, um, you know, going from his Planet of the Apes franchise to now um, working in the DC Comics universe. And it was originally going to be he and... Ben Affleck collaborating on a Batman adaptation that kind of fell through Bat, you know, Affleck is sort of a non-committal, uh, non-committal about his participation in the DC universe. It's kind of, and he's had some personal issues that has kind of made him go back and forth with his uh, enthusiasm for the role. But I, I thought Affleck was a decent Batman. I don't know. Um, he just uh, is, is aging, of course, and uh, I, let's see, I, he's, he could be done with the role. However, I think he did return for reshoots on the Zack Snyder Justice League released to HBO uh, Max. Uh, I, that maybe was his last turn. Uh, who, it, you know, none of these things ever end anymore. Yeah, I, uh, I don't know if he'll be down for the role so much now um, that we have this new take on the character. And, uh, and I, I enjoyed our Pat. I thought he looked very good in the role. What did you think, Jody, of this iteration? Well, I thought he did a great job as well. And no, it's funny. Uh, I started watching the movie and I know our listeners don't know what you look like exactly, Philip, but you kind of have the long hair right now. It kind of tosses in front of the face. And as I was like an hour into the movie, I was like, wait a minute this is Philip. If Philip was like 
a superhero. I think he actually looked kind of like you in this film. Um, he's kind of a little quieter. Um, he speaks with his eyes and like with his actions and things like that. And I, I really liked it overall. I thought all of the actors that were brought in on this project did a great job. In fact, I wanted to see more of them. For example, they bring in the penguin, they bring in um, Catwoman, I think that's her name, um, and a few other characters that I like wanted them to have even a stronger subplot, which with a three hour movie, I didn't expect myself to be wanting more out of the characters. I mean, you would think three hours and you'd be kind of ready to be done with them, but I would really like to continue exploring this version of Gotham City. I think the the overall cast was great. Yeah, it, it um, felt like a very fleshed out world. Um, you know, we got to see quite a bit of it in this film. But um, as just a, an initial outing in this version of DC Universe, um, it, it was refreshing in that it didn't feel like it was overly concerned about building out this huge, you know, <laughs> expanded universe. This uh, what what now you know has become the trend with Marvel and you know, previous attempts from DC to expand their cinematic universe into uh just this you know this uh sort of large-scale television project where each installment you know has the has the dual role of functioning as a solo film while also you know trying to uh um <laughs> supplement this larger canon and uh, and that can get a little unwieldy. I don't. I think what we'll probably see with this version of Batman is it not being connected to any spinoffs. Probably, you know, unless they decide to do a Catwoman spinoff with Zoe Kravitz. I feel like that's a distinct possibility. Well, but, something yeah. I kind of thought about is well, and I can't really compare because I have not seen all the different renditions of Batman movies. But this one seemed unique in the sense that it wasn't an origin story, but it also wasn't like him at his like full strength story. You kind of catch the Batman. I think he's supposed to be in his second year of being Batman. Mm -hmm. And I feel like there's a lot that they could do with it, but you're right. They could take another like character like Catwoman and kind of draw on her a little bit more. And like you were saying about um, the overall like city and things like that, that might've had something to do with the strict COVID protocols for filming. Like mm -hmm. maybe they decided to kind of like hone in on the space or maybe it was um, the cinematographer's, you know, eye to keep mm -hmm. it just like a little more murky and a little more focused than than others might be. Something I noticed that he did that I really liked, we went into it and a lot of superhero movies, they kind of have a lot of like cuts, especially during like the fighting scenes where it's like pow, pow, you know, and it's a flash here, flash there. I really think like something that was nice was to kind of like the, the camera was more stable throughout this movie and they kind of had more like long paced scenes when it came to those action parts and I appreciated that. It was, uh, it was kind of a grounded take on the genre uh, and honestly uh it's <laughs> it has become kind of a cliche to say oh a new darker grittier version of batman <laughs> being adapted to film uh we got that all the way back in 1989 with uh, tim burton Michael Keaton Batman, where it was, you know, sold as a much more serious take on the character than 
the you know previous iterations of you know the um <laughs> and 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 i'm not functionally at full rpms today but but the tel television show uh burt ward and adam west uh that you know the batman and robin characters from from the classic era of television and there was a film adaptation of that as well as like uh sort of some of the serial uh iterations of that you know from the black and white era as well you know much much uh lighter takes on the subject although you know that those had their own you know very thrilling moments uh and drama as well it's just uh this movie you know despite being in the superhero genre managed to straddle the line between superhero and you know strict like crime drama uh and that's that's what the nolan batman films also were attempting to do and uh and, and succeeded at doing obviously because you know they're so celebrated christopher nolan's uh, trilogy with uh batman begins the dark knight and the Dark Knight Rises, a Dark Knight Rises being a, a, a bit more controversial, I guess, as a, <laughs> I don't know, the th third parts of a trilogy can often be dicey. Um, but yeah, these, uh, you know, it's, they, they've tried straight camp with Batman in film with the Schumacher films from the late 90s uh, which were you know, technically sequels to the tim burton films and those those burton films had a lot of silliness as well a lot of fantastical elements but um this matt reeves film along with the christopher nolan films purport to not have any kind of supernatural component it's it keeps it very grounded and and you get that with the filmmaking as well where uh, the the visual effects are not glaring, you know, they're very subtle, uh, but you, there's some great action despite that. I feel like this one didn't have nearly as breakneck action as perhaps previous Batman films. Um, it may be more in line with something like The Joker, where it focuses more on the genre, uh, drama, the intrigue, and sort of the detective elements, which I, I really appreciated, like the, the mystery solving side of batman which sometimes gets undersung um on on screen so so that sort of made up for any lack of like action excitement you know you, you have that instead the suspense of you know the, the mystery behind the the plot right i agree i really appreciate that sort of like slow burn and build that comes with a detective story with more of like the mystery route and i do think it made the action scenes feel even better uh one that stood out to me as like i guess my favorite action scene was that car chase scene that was amazing the different ways that they visualized that and the different angles they took with that when batman is chasing him down in the batmobile i thought that was just one of the best car chase scenes i've ever seen and um overall like i like this flow better i don't know if it's because i'm like getting older that i like kind of like more of a story but have you seen how the reviews have been taking to this i mean was it oscar nominated i think you said that in a text but maybe i got that wrong hmm. It wasn't eligible for this year's Oscars. Uh, it'll be eligible for next year. Um, the yeah, I I'm not sure if 
it's getting any awards uh recognition as of yet there's i guess it looks like on rotten tomatoes it's gotten a very like good response and not to speak for our theater but like our theater is usually dead there's usually like two or three people there Mm -hmm. and we went on a sunday night and it was pretty packed so like Mm -hmm. i think people are really receptive to this and i think people are really liking there's multiple sort of villains in this movie but the riddler Mm -hmm. was a great choice as a villain in my opinion yeah it there, there are a couple awards ceremonies that have given it uh, certain nods. Um, I don't know, whatever the ACC, not, no, no disrespect, uh, ACCEC awards um, have uh, have given a few nods. But um, yeah, it's, it's uh, done very well at the box office, as Batman films tend to do. Three-hour film, it's, you know, you run the risk of, not being able to have as many screenings, um, keeping you know, people sort of intimidated by that <laughs> that runtime, or you know, keep keeping them from necessarily venturing out because of that. And then it'll be coming to HBO Max fairly soon, um, sort of a, a shorter theatrical window then i mean yeah it's not all about the numbers but i just pulled it up and it looks like the budget was around 200 million to make it and the film has already grossed over 677 million and it's the Mm -hmm. so far the highest grossing film of 2022 so that's super good to see because last time we spoke um about turning red we were kind of talking about like the the lifespan of theaters or where theaters are going and i'm always happy to see when movies are doing well when they're released to the theaters the kind of movie that people will show up for you know even though perhaps film going in general is uh on a bit of a decline but it's in the u.s that's a number that you know is is sort of the more um predictable uh figure which is 335 million uh very impressive for a domestic total um yeah sometimes you know the the u.s gross and the worldwide gross aren't quite as disparate uh here it's uh double worldwide what it has grossed in the u.s and that's that's pretty impressive and i'm sure they'll continue to rise um i know joker i think crossed the billion dollar mark worldwide might not do so just maybe the pandemic would have something to do with that or because that film was just kind of so like unique and buzzworthy. Um, yeah. Whereas this, uh, the Batman, you know, we've seen a lot, this, this covered a lot of familiar territory probably. Uh, and I've heard similar things from people, you know, I, I haven't indulged in a ton of post mortem coverage of the Batman uh not necessarily i've not necessarily gone on my way to avoid it but um it's just good to keep my thoughts fresh for when discussing it on the podcast here uh so i'm not like just regurgitating other people's opinions but one thing i did hear uh said about it was that uh, it, it did it you know seemed fairly familiar and that was one of my main takeaways from it as well that it it, it was i mean thankfully in my uh, opinion uh taking a lot of cues from like the christopher nolan films where it's just a very grounded universe even more grounded and dirty like you said and grungy 
uh, kind of somewhere between the Christopher Nolan and his movies are, are very sleek and sort of uh, hermetic, uh, antiseptic almost <laughs> in some cases, maybe a little bit too much so. Um, but somewhere between that and and the Joker, where where it's realistic and also like <laughs> you get a sense of Gotham being this place you kind of want to uh, avoid. Um, yeah, I I, uh, I appreciated that balance. I think um, the the main villain, the Riddler, was also seemed really realistic to me. I'm not sure how typically these heroes, oh, sorry, these anti-heroes, these, I guess in a way, like the Riddler thinks he's a hero because he thinks mm -hmm. that he's, expo he's exposing the elite, he's exposing, you know, these political titans. Um, but I did read a review that kind of compared him to the real life, like Zodiac Killer, mm. which was someone who liked to drop hints about his crimes or drop pictures about his crimes and sort of how the Riddler does a similar thing. Like he wants to kind of like create community, create like almost a following throughout the film mm -hmm. and that he took inspiration from that real life serial killer, which, which again, just brings another element of like, like you said, like a world that you could almost walk into because there's a lot of parallels between the Gotham that we see here, the villains, mm -hmm. the heroes and um, our world. The uh, character of the Riddler typically um he, he's the alter ego edward enigma uh or en enigma <laughs> enigma um i i think he's got a different last name here nashton or something um that character debuted in 1948 prior to the zodiac killer but it's possible there had already been instances of sort of enigmatic uh <laughs> Well, criminals. let's be real, like since the beginning of time, there's been criminals who like want attention yes. and also want to bring down like the upper class or like the powers that be. So maybe not necessarily the Zodiac killer, but there had to be some inspiration, you know, from from what yeah. we see literally every day. I feel like I mean, like I said, I'm not a superhero type person, but it just seems to echo like so many thoughts like I can kind of see why people supported the Riddler obviously I wouldn't want to be that person but you know when he's when he's doing his scene spoiler alert but when he's doing his scene when he's been brought to prison and he's talking to Batman I had like I don't know like I I really was I don't know what the right word is but I was really sucked into the movie at that moment when mm. he's sort of talking about like exposing the truth essentially because you see this a lot with like the bad guys they think they're I mean we saw it in Joker um I just like when movies expose that sometimes like these bad guys have like some twisted weird like good intention if that makes sense and I, yeah. I always find that really compelling I always tell my family that if there was ever like a cult or something like I'd be the first one to join it because I those powerful speeches like when bad people are like saying things so eloquently I'm always like sign me up like, I'm going to drink the Kool-Aid. Like, here I go. <laughs> yeah, it's. I mean, it's easy to beg on cults or cult-like behavior, but that's part of the allure is that the people who get sucked into them don't realize that they're being manipulated or, or perhaps there is nothing but sort of a genuine sentiment that's uh, being generated around a, either a figure or an idea that serves as the basis for, you know, these sorts of uh, subgroups that 
form these uh, these various uh, kind of collective uh, societies or communes and what whatever you know what have you the wild wild country is is that the documentary on Netflix wild wild country about the the Rajneeshis? Um, well, I'm perhaps not totally one of the most sure. Famous examples, but of course all those uh, you know um, you know the the thing about villains who almost always consider themselves um heroic or <laughs> um i guess that they uh they see their intentions as good is, is that they usually see themselves as the hero as well in some sense and i feel like with with actual heroes they they're sort of reticent to concede like the title of hero they they don't really accept that mantle uh willingly shall we say right like batman he oh my gosh this is he keeps calling himself he is vengeance right like yeah. that's what he refers to himself as throughout the movie oh and side note i love the storytelling narration coming from his journal that the speak over the talk over what would you call it the, the well, narration voiceover, voiceover, the voiceover. Narration, yeah. i loved that I thought that was a really cool thing. And to see him like writing down his thoughts and journaling, I was like, even though he's like this ultimate, like masculine character, essentially, like he has the cool car and he's all muscle and whatever. He's like mm -hmm. a billionaire. They still have like these really like accessible moments with him. Like when he's writing down his feelings and obviously when he's reminiscing about his childhood, I thought, I thought that was good. And then they did a really good job um, with Catwoman too, kind of creating a duality because like, yes she's working at this cocktail lounge and yes she's like stealing money but she's kind of there to show that like it's not always black and white like it's not always good and evil so I, I thought they did a good job making both of those characters complex without detracting from like the character because sometimes I feel like they try to do that a little bit too much like they try to like overwork a character mm. but I feel like in this movie they did just enough to keep both the male and the female lead kind of like accessible to both genders watching it if that makes sense okay. yeah um the the characters weren't reduced to sort of mere arch archetype they had there yeah. were still some cheesy moments though like there were a couple that and i like it because like it's a superhero movie like you do have to have these moments where you i didn't roll my eyes but um my husband who was sitting next to me there are moments where he's like are you kidding i wish i could remember what the lines were there were just a few where we were sort of like all right like that's a little too like <laughs> predictable but i mean you yeah. kind of want to see that you want it to be fresh and new but like it's still a superhero movie yeah i mean there's a use of brief use of idiom with like the the phrase was a white supremacist or something she says um you know i, I stuff like that it makes sense it, it um applies to the current social context that you know we're living in you know she, and this person has been through a lot she's she's been through hell during her life uh and then we're you know contrasting with bruce wayne who's had a fairly plush life but he's you know that hasn't made him happy certainly uh, but thankfully you know he's doing something noble with what has been given to him despite the you know vigilantism being sort of questionable you know that's a morally gray area to begin with um but it you know this movie thankfully doesn't delve too much into the origin story other than through exposition 
Um, and it's established that he's been working with Commissioner Gordon. Well, at this point, what, Lieutenant Gordon, I believe, um, played by Jeffrey Wright, always a compelling presence on screen. Uh, and yeah, it's, it's mentioned a couple of times that he's been at it like two years. Um, and the this contrast with Catwoman, Zoe Kravitz, who comes from humble means and has similar noble intentions, uh, but just employs different methods and you know, has to sort of rely on perhaps unseemlier methods to accomplish her ends. Uh, but the two of them, you know, make a great team. They complement each other well. And um, I don't know, she's had, you know, Catwoman has sort of been a straight villain in certain depictions where uh, almost like Loki, maybe in the Marvel universe, um, sort of an unwilling uh, protagonist at times, but also very, you know, threatening rival at times as well. And it's hard to know you know if you can ever trust this person but i think that's important an important lesson as well where like you just have to keep you know <laughs> trust you know the important thing is don't give up on this person because you you understand why they have these motivations that they do exactly she's like tough and edgy but she has like moments of vulnerability and it's like you said like you don't really want to give up on her but you also don't know if you can like fully trust her mm -hmm. and that's a good character to have in there and i feel like they had her in there like the right amount um they could have easily just put her in as like some type of like love interest or some like sexy eye candy because like obviously she's drop dead gorgeous mm -hmm. but they really worked her into the story um in a way that was like pivotal for it um i i liked her a lot um some good i mean th this movie like it went so far as to have the amc artisan films banner on the app you know if you're buying tickets via amc app uh and that's usually reserved for like indie movies you know the, the drive my cars the um you know everything everywhere all at once is uh you know the belfasts or uh maybe west side story got a banner even though that was like a big budget spielberg movie technically but um you know it, it, i it kind of fits because it, it felt like that it was just so um so tactile this film and, and like the action sequence we mentioned you know didn't feel like a fast and the furious especially like modern fast and the furious which is just everything's done in cg uh the camera's cutting away every you know 0.25 seconds at least uh, at most um and yeah the there's just not a lot of gravity whereas in instances like this you really feel the weight to every moment uh and it's just it, it's so riveting every time it cuts to these sorts of instances uh, of which there are several you know, throughout the film, plenty, plenty of action, I thought, lots of good, like, you know, uh, brawling scenes of, you know, uh, Pattinson uh, showing his martial arts skills. Um, and also showing him get hurt. I, yeah. I like that. I don't really like when a superhero is invincible. And obviously, they always have like a scene where something bad sort of happens to it. But Batman in particular, he has... The weakness of being human like you said he's not um 
he doesn't have like magic powers or anything like that. Although his tools that he had are pretty amazing. Those contacts mm -hmm. that they use um, is one that stood out to me. Um, mm -hmm. He has his Batmobile, he has his suit, his cape. Although I don't really know what the cape is for. Um, I kind of think that would get in the way <laughs> in mm. real life, but um, I I liked I liked all the fight scenes, and I'm the last person who would say something like that. And on top of that, I really liked um, kind of like the POV scenes, like the point of view, mm -hmm. where you'd kind of be like moving with the camera. I'm not really sure what you would call those scenes, or if you know exactly what I'm referring mm. to. But like when the car was driving, it was like you were driving the car as a viewer. Did you notice yeah. that the second or first time you watched? I mean, I, th I think you got the technical term spot on, POV, yeah. Um, it, you know, a lot of, yeah, just like guerrilla filmmaking um, in its stylization uh, and the colors kind of muted, but not too like distractingly. So yeah, a uh, lot, lot of good choices overall. I mean, there's always going to be fantastical stuff, I feel, with these Batman movies, uh, as much as they can sort of disguise it. There's never really been like a grappling hook that you could carry with one hand and fire, you know, at a ledge and rely on it to like hold your weight in any way. Uh, so, you know, the, some of these gadgets are are very um, fantasy, you know, are, you know, they're kind of stuck in the world of fantasy in a way. And, and like even like Batman's seeming invulnerability to explosions is kind of odd. Even Alfred, too. He gets one in the face pretty bad and <laughs> comes away with, from it. Of course, like there's like a minute where I'm like, get out of there. Ditch, ditch the stupid package, Alfred. That, that is an obvious bomb. You know, it's like <laughs> the suspicious looking package that you're just admiring for like, you know, way too long. Anyways, I loved Alfred. I thought Andy Serkis made a great Alfred. Did anyone even die in this movie? I mean, like That's not in main characters, right? Like, I mean, Alfred was like probably the moment where they could have killed someone. But now I'm trying to think like, did, oh, well, yes, Catwoman's roommate was killed. And that that scene was done really well where they're listening to the voicemail. I thought it was really a good way to like have that death be like really dramatic without having to show someone be murdered. Yeah, you know, these movies kind of push that pg-13 rating to the limit um and sometimes with blockbusters you get a little extra allowance because you, you know it's the mpaa you know kind of wants to make these big companies they they don't want to be on the outs with uh with these big film companies i i feel like that sometimes uh you know, there's a little bit of politicking that goes on. <laughs> um, but uh, no, I, I, this this movie didn't stray, you know, into the boundaries of, you know, the R rating, which would have been fine as far as I'm concerned. But um, I would have loved if they yeah. pushed it a little further and it was an R, but I can understand the importance of keeping these ones PG-13 to keep it accessible for like all audiences. But yeah. this is one where I'm like, man, I almost wish they could have like taken it even further into this murky world. Because <laughs> yeah, it was sort of a low body count I and totally cool. Like I uh, I was just sort of impressed that, you know, they, they were able to come up with this interesting uh, subject without, you know, just having uh you know le leaving a trail of bodies in its wake 
Um, you know, you had the murder depicted in the opening. So people who wanted violence certainly got their fill in this case. Um, there are a few like moments where blood is sort of uh, conspicuously absent, um, where such as, well, I don't know. Uh, the, when when um, John Turturro's character gets shot at the end, I, I th think it's fully ex um, revealed that he died, uh, but it, it seemed like he got shot in the same place that the politician got shot, uh, the uh, Real, um, unless she just got hit by shrapnel or something, because sh she got hit in the shoulder, it, it looked like, during that speech yeah. at the end. Yeah. I think I'd have to watch it a second time because like that's sort of when by the time that she gets shot and the Riddler's followers are coming out, I sent you a voice memo when it was all done. But I like kept thinking the video, not the video, I kept thinking like the movie itself was over. I felt like there were like multiple endings happening. Mm -hmm. So I started getting like, I think a little bit confused. So when that scene happened, I don't know if she's shot or if just something clonks her from above. Uh, either way, she lives, mm -hmm. lives to see another day. Yeah. Yeah. Bella Real is uh character who's the rival of you know the character who gets murdered in the beginning uh, but purely a political rival she's got no criminal connections or anything um she uh is kind of the up-and-comer um and the establishment of gotham you know something that's you know, known to be very uh, <laughs> sketchy, very seedy and untrustworthy with all with many of the um, officials, the administrative officials of the city having criminal connections uh, that you see Peter Sarsgaard's character, you know, hanging out at this hyper exclusive club and doing drugs and uh, being sort of goaded into um, revealing himself by 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 uh, Selena Kyle. And it's just uh, kind of, yeah, you see a lot of this ugliness that. Right. I mean, yeah. even Bruce, who grew up like believing his father was this morally upstanding citizen, like even Bruce's dad, like is kind of called called into question of like what his background is and who he was affiliated with and because i haven't seen the other batman movies maybe yeah. that's something that's already been discussed but that, no that was always a big, been? yeah that was a big deal i think yeah because like yeah. bruce was like wait a minute like not only that but like my dad was like part of this mess so you, you haven't seen that before in the other movies that you remember no it makes a lot of sense though if the city is sort of rotten to its core that someone like thomas wayne would have become embroiled in it to some extent and and thomas wayne you know he he was a politician in this version as well as you know he's always been portrayed as a, a physician as well even though he like that's part of his sort of noble persona thomas wayne um you know despite inheriting a large fortune from the wayne family he uh, decided to go on to pursue medicine and you know practiced medicine as this sort of wealthy um philanthropist and something so I, yeah oh, no continue no, something i couldn't understand um on the topic of bruce wayne's parents was what was like the problem with his mother 
like I, I watched it and they were saying something about her family secrets, but did you really know what they were trying to call her out for? Or was it just like saying she also has like a mysterious background that we can't trust? Yeah, I guess the art, I'd never seen this explored or never heard of her being from the Arkham family. So that was new to me, but that just comes with its own baggage of, I guess her mother uh, potentially murdered her husband and spent time in a psych ward. Um, I did. Did the movie say that it was she was convicted of murder or that it was? Speculated? I don't know if they said it one way or the other. I think it was just basically speculation. And now that you're saying that, like, yeah, she was in a psych ward, so maybe to them, like, that's bad enough. You know, she wasn't this perfect, like, type A mom. She was someone who was associated with being crazy. Yeah. So I don't know. Yeah. I'm not but, sure. I, I think I'll have to watch it again. Yeah. That, that you know, I guess uh, sometimes the apple doesn't fall too far from the tree, but as we know, Martha Wayne, you know, isn't known to have any real, I don't know, problems with her backstory. Uh, you know, the only thing that's really fleshed out about her is that she's, then um you know part of part of uh, what impelled uh, compelled uh, batman to do what he does is is the fact that his parents were murdered in front of him and and that part of the story is probably never going to change all that much we didn't see it play out here but we know no 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 yeah. it's time for them to make a prequel that <laughs> focuses just on his parents before they were murdered like it's time for like yeah. their coming of age story i would be very happy to watch it if it was done by the same people who did this movie there is a planned spin-off uh set to go into production um for either streaming or for television probably for hbo max i wouldn't be surprised uh it's just referred to as um, an untitled The Batman spinoff on IMDb. So there is going to be an extended universe to The Batman, um, but it, you know, I'm sure it'll stay fairly contained. And I, I was thinking maybe a trilogy of films we'd see with, with Matt Reeves producing, uh, probably directing all three. And the second one, I'm guessing, you know, no sooner than two years away. Um, but two years is is sort of a very uh intense timeline to try to come up with a film like this uh so if, if they don't want to rush it and want to give it sort of adequate time to breathe you know we're probably looking at like a 2025 release although uh you know this movie was delayed so perhaps they've already made considerable progress on a the batman 2 uh, in terms of pre-production so yeah, I, I would hope to see another one, you know, no later than 2025, um, early 2025, but uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to it when it ha inevitably happens. Me too. The last thing I for sure wanted to like get in here was some, the last thing I really liked and stood out to mm -hmm. me was the score for this movie had so much range. I'm not really someone who notices music that often, oh, but yeah. maybe you noticed it watching it twice. Like there's scenes with like opera music, then there's scenes with like tribal drums, and then there's like dead silence. And I feel like they really like use the whole range of like hmm. sound options. And I think that really elevated the movie as well. I, I don't really remember any music, but I just feel like the background noises in general were really captivating with this one. 
So there have been some great examples of just very um, intoxicating, like atmospheric score, despite not there being um, really Hans memorable Zimmer themes. Music. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that that's that's totally his style. And he won best score for, for Dune. Dune. Yeah. Yeah. Well, listen, I'm telling you, my friend Ava worked on the sound for that movie and I will like bring her on because she like she knows Hans Zimmer now because she got to work on the music production for that movie. And now she's iconic. Nice. That's. But, but yeah, this one doesn't really have like a soundtrack. It's more like opera and then drums and then quiet. Well, yeah, Hans Zimmer did the Nolan films. And there were some recognizable themes from those. Uh, of course, there's the classic um, Danny Elfman theme from the Burton films. This this movie, I I would say, like its most popular refrains were like Ave Maria. You know, yeah, and Michael. Yeah, Giacchino. you're totally right. You're totally right. I yeah. forgot about that. I was just referring it to his opera, but yes, that would be one of the themes of the of the movie. An unexpected theme, but like yeah. a great choice. Yeah, the composer here, Michael Giacchino, who's one of the leading composers in Hollywood right now, and he he did the score for like The Incredibles. Uh, some of the later Mission Impossible films, uh, Star Wars, Rogue One. He did the score. Uh, he did the score. He was a great choice to fill in for John Williams doing some some Star Wars uh, songwriting. So uh, yeah, he's he can kind of do it all. And and like he is someone who I feel has continued a lot of the classic traditions of uh, you know, very operatic scores and and memorable themes. Uh, but here, yeah, it is, it's a more of a moody piece, mood piece. Um, and, and the themes don't necessarily like Ave Maria is already established as a you know, musical piece. And there really wasn't much new. I'm sure there was like if I listened to the soundtrack in isolation, I would pick up some new themes that he wrote for the, the film. But it just wasn't really obvious when watching the movie. I saw it twice. Yeah, I think all in all, they hit their stride from just the aesthetic of of the murky, almost like watercolored sepia with the red cayenne colors yeah. to the music to the to the cast. Like in my opinion, this is like all I could want from yeah. one of these movies. It's the most gothic of the Batman films, as it should be for Gotham. Makes a lot of sense. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a little on the nose, but I don't know. I I could see there being a real life city called. Gotham City you know it's just I don't really necessarily want to go live there if there is one uh that's anything like this but yeah if it's just a name a rose is a rose right yeah for sure yeah I you know yeah the whole issue with like Bruce Wayne's parents not necessarily having stellar reputations you know who cares like Mm. I don't, I mean, like the sins of the father fall upon the son. It was actually funny when they used that quote, because we had just been watching on Netflix, a series called Pieces of Her. And it was a similar thing where it's like the sins of the mother, like fall upon the daughter. And it's like, nah, like this guy's using his billions of dollars to like stop these little guys from being beaten up in the train station. Oh, which was a great opening sequence, I thought for this movie. But, but who cares if his parents have like a bad pedigree, like, let him let him well, fight for justice. I, I don't think they necessarily do, but there are those who would you know want to dig up dirt 
to well like the riddler kind of wanted to punish him for it it seemed like and i just feel like nah let him keep being a cool (laughs) dude brian's laughing at me he thinks no i don't know (laughs) well i and and like some of these grievances of like character choices and stuff like um i i don't i think it's narrow-minded to criticize like a direction that you've taken the story, you know, that uh, an author or uh, interpreter of these um, these classic stories, you know, has taken that sort of diverges from, you know, the narratives of the past, just because it's like different or it doesn't align with your preconceptions. Uh, you know, that, that doesn't sit well with me when when you're judging it on that basis oh, because, because I see you're what not you're saying yeah you're mm-hmm. not you're just yeah taking a biased position of it should not have gone this way and you're not analyzing well did the uh, creator justify you know did matt reeves or the writers you know justify taking the it use of that storyline yeah. yeah and i feel like with this movie it was justified to to bring that in and it really i think for me it elevated the riddler as mm-hmm. as as the mastermind like doing that digging finding that extra dirt mm-hmm. yeah sometimes a concept is sort of misbegotten from the start and can never fully succeed um but i yeah there wasn't really anything here that i thought was a ill-conceived notion from the jump but um you know everything was you know was fine in concept and in execution uh it was done very competently perhaps not mind-blowingly like this wasn't necessarily my favorite batman film ever uh it it reminded me a lot of the first christopher nolan batman Uh, just i like the sort of the vibe the the grittiness of it um the realism groundedness so you know all these buzzwords um and and the sort of new uh, introduction to a new batman as well um, so, sort of acquainting ourselves with the gadgets and the technology and figuring out sort of the rules of this world. Like the cape, you know, you, you see that that does factor into his bat or his wingsuit, his, uh, the, the way that he glides down, you know, I, in then the Nolan films um, established this very effectively with like the fabric, the memory cloth, that you know you apply a charge to it and it becomes rigid um a, a technology that feels like it should exist maybe it does in some sort of like secret military context um but here it's it's more of like a traditional squirrel suit that he zips up and it's kind of i there's a little bit of cgi i think deployed with well, well when he deploys his uh squirrel suit uh with his cape and zipper and all that like I, th- I think there was some animation um, which was really effective, sort of like an Iron Man, you know, a, a very stripped down Iron Man suit up sequence. <laughs> and then like yeah. he totally botches I mean, his landing. I, the, the cape works for me. Yeah, I don't know. I always like think back to the movie The Incredibles by Pixar where the little like lady's like, 
we don't do capes or something like that because she says that capes are like basically the reason all these superheroes get like sucked up into plane jets and like they're tripping and falling. <laughs> so I don't really get the cape, but if they can, if they can justify it with some type of technology that I don't know about, like that's all fine and good. I just didn't notice it in this version. Really the only question I had at the end of the day was like, where is Robin? Because as someone who knows nothing really about superheroes, I knew that there should probably be a Robin, but like maybe not this time, maybe you not two years into his journey. Yes, I appreciate that you brought this up because, um, yeah, I think Robin's gotten a bit of a bad rap because the two films where he has appeared, <laughs> the, these are the Batman films with probably the worst reputation, uh, Batman and Robin and Batman Forever, um, other than perhaps some of the... Um, Ben Affleck appearances, uh, but yeah, the, I mean, Chris O'Donnell did a fine job portraying the character. It, you know, Robin was in no way a pro. You know, the the main problem with uh, well, he wasn't a problem at all. He he only I feel accentuated those films. A absolutely, yeah. Well, maybe if they do some type of like mini series or something like that, or do a trilogy, they'll they'll insert him in some capacity, or maybe it'll be a girl. I, I wonder if have they done that before, where Robin is a female character? That'd be an interesting twist, in my opinion. But, oh, they have, yeah. The the Dark Knight Returns comics from the eighties that Frank Miller, I believe, uh, was that it wasn't Alan Moore, was it? Um, let me quick Google that. But yeah, a very popular take on. Batman and sort of one of the seminal Batman as sort of a, a grittier, more um, rough and tumble um, street level, like a, a brawler um, as opposed to, you know, I guess prior to that time, comics had been uh, more heavily censored or, you know, directed towards a younger audience but that younger audience had grown up by the time the dark knight returns debuted in 1986 uh you know written by frank miller uh illustrated by miller and klaus jansen um yeah the um a gritty take but that uh series has a female uh carrie kelly as as um as Robin. So I would love to, they definitely got to introduce Robin in the next film. You're absolutely right. Sorry, it's getting like a little tiny bit loud in the airport, but, but yeah, I'm sure we will see it soon. Um, overall, I think this was good. This was like a gr good crime follower. I can't compare it the way you can to the other things. I think if I had to pick like this one or the Joker, the Joker is still probably like more my speed as, star, as far as storyline, mm -hmm. but watching the Batman has given me more interest than ever into like the DC stories. And I, I hope they'll continue on this thread or like this vibe as they continue to make more and more um, superhero movies. Cause we know that like, there's going to be no end in sight for superhero movies. Like there's constant uh, storylines they can follow. There's so many different characters. I think we're going to be seeing a lot more of it in the future. For sure. Um, I, yeah, I'm skeptical about you know them continuing with the like DC extended universe that began with like Man of Steel. Uh, I mean, there've been plenty of decent choices made in that 
continuity as much as, you know, insofar as there is a continuity of which there, there have been a lot of changes and deviations, retcons. Uh, and they are continuing with things like uh, another Aquaman movie. They're, they want to make another Oh, Wonder yeah, Woman. I saw that. I saw mm-hmm. that in the um, opening trailers. I saw that they were doing some of those things. And yeah. you know what, Philip? I've never asked. Are you a DC or a Marvel person? I feel like that's an important mm. question. Well, yeah, I'm, I think I resonate more with Marvel overall. Um, I, I kind of like how it's set in the real world. They, you know, the cities aren't fictional, you know, the, the settings. and uh, But I think it's I, that makes for like a at least a fun superficial distinction between Marvel and DC where there are certain elements that, um, you know, that don't overlap. Um, but I don't know, fundamentally, they're both very similar. If you want to explore different, um, kind of subjects, different characters, different moods, um, you know, you can find kind of a little bit of everything within each comics universe. Uh, but the MCU has done a great job maintaining sort of a consistent, uh, through line through their films, um, and, and, you know, just kicked off. So, uh, sublimely you know with uh with iron man you know you couldn't really ask for a better introduction to uh a you know film universe than you know than some of the happy accidents that originated the mcu whereas the dc you know world building has been much more of a you know by committee process much more artificial so if you want to you know, grow my affection towards the DC film universe or, or the film, you know, the films of DC, you know, it's best to begin with something like the Batman where it's, you know, it's not trying to be anything more than this one contained film. Um, so I don't know, this, this was good. I, I've loved Batman's films. I was excited to see this despite, being sort of agnostic about a lot of blockbusters now nowadays i definitely made sure to go out and see it and i was excited to see it a second time even so not very many movies can um claim that for me uh this one though you know i uh, i found it very enjoyable just fun to live in this universe and like the intrigue of the detective you know crime solving you know who doesn't love a good crime film um i feel like my uh this, sort of a uh, <laughs> gangster movie uh, crime film library has sort of been fleshed out significantly over the past several years. Um, and, and I've begun to appreciate sort of the appeal of that genre, um, you know, more and more, but uh, this, this did a good job of really, ex- you know, enhancing uh, that with, with sort of the trappings of the, batman mythos uh which if you don't love it uh you just haven't uh indulged in it uh but exactly i think there's like a there's probably a superhero movie out there for everyone because they do have so many different like flavors of of, mm-hmm. of superhero out there. And I guess like, I'm probably a DC person because Wonder Woman was like the first superhero movie that I like actually cared about. Mm-hmm. And then is Joker, Joker's DC, right? 
Yes. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I'm going to claim myself as a DC person, but like maybe we'll live to see the day where they do like the ultimate crossover and it could be like a huge disaster, but like Marvel and DC could collide. How fun would that be? That's very possible. Um, I mean, I don't think it's... their worlds like obviously like they don't line up, but like, I mean, it's 2022. We might give it a try. Who knows? Yeah, probably not soon because the these are are such monolithic companies at this point uh dc or um sorry sora sorry um uh, marvel being disney and warner brothers being the copyright holder to to dc and i think they're you know unlikely to collaborate anytime soon but it'll probably happen at some point in the future on film um and with all the multiverses and just weird ways in which they're trying to incorporate past iterations with new iterations that are on a separate timeline. Like uh, they'll, they'll come up with something. And, and sometimes these crazy crossovers work really well. Sometimes they're, they're a little bit, uh, well, I think they're, they definitely run the risk of being seen as very cynical and, and silly and just um, tiresome after all the franchise glut that we've seen in recent days. But I, I guess it's what people keeps people coming to the theaters. So, uh, there, yeah, I mean, be... if I was investing in the movies and I was making back 400 million, I'd keep I'd probably keep pumping them out. But as long as they do yeah. them like this, as long as there's real thought and art and intention behind it instead of just you know one after the other uh yeah. dawson would probably be a better person to talk to when it came to comparing you know past versions to now but but i like to see it i'll keep paying yeah. money and i'll keep coming to the theater to watch stuff like this yeah this is definitely a sincere take on batman and uh you know it it brought people out to the theaters you know same with spider-man as well just a lot of devotion to these characters and justifiably in my opinion it's just it's fun to see the exhilarating action and sort of the ways in which we've all kind of developed the the um these personal connections to these characters over the years that really just there's something innate and primal uh that excites us whenever there's an opportunity to explore a new facet of these worlds uh, and, and, I, and I like this this facet. I, you know, Gotham has a long way to go in healing, uh, not just uh, politically, but also uh, it's underwater. It's, so like they need someone yeah. to come in there and build some bridges or start draining yeah, so structurally, physically. Yeah, like uh, they're gonna. Oof. It was it wasn't doing that well to begin with. I mean, the club looked no. cool, but yeah, they're gonna need some insurance companies to come in and start pricing things out to get themselves yeah. back together before the next movie. And yeah, the the whole like New Orleans Hurricane Katrina aspect of it all, you know, is, is maybe sort of triggering some people's like climate button, you know, climate change buttons. Oh, gosh. Uh, um, I, but I don't think that's necessarily the end of it. You know, I think a city like Gotham, that's just so built up. What can happen over time is that like the ground just gets literally pushed down and it sinks into the earth 
So it's not just that the sea levels are rising and sort of things like that. That that's part of it. I mean, certainly. they are. <laughs> that, <laughs> but, that's part of it. But, but like, yes. if people are thinking, "Oh, this climate change propaganda is being shoved down," oh my throat. no, yeah. I haven't. I wonder. I mean, I haven't dug into reviews enough, but I guess yeah. I wouldn't be surprised to see those comparisons out I, there. I'm I sure there are. Them, but that it's not me. propaganda. Oh gosh. Well, and everything's propaganda. I, I guess it is, like, but <laughs> I don't think I don't think the choice for that the flooding in this movie was meant to be like a forewarning of the the tides to come on Manhattan. Like I I, I don't think that yeah, that's what and, the the yeah. director was thinking, but maybe I guess who knows. Yeah, and like yeah, it's not there's there's obviously, you know, multiple different um interpretations for why things happen and like yeah there have been cases in the past of cities like literally sinking just due to the massive you know build up and, and yeah. sort of lack I mean, of mexico city yeah. there's okay. a bunch of cities like that since the, like the beginning of time mexico city i think they say it sinks like a half an inch a year i'll yeah. next time i do a podcast i'll fact check myself but but yes it happens the build up mm -hmm. so anyways uh i i do like the idea of like <laughs> totally off topic but like this whole thing with starbucks wanting to phase out their um disposable cups i'm like yeah oh. i because i love bringing in my reusable cups it's like why else do i have these containers <laughs> and people that... like you said they love having them i i used to always bring mine in prior to the covid pandemic because you could just like get them refilled and you'd save like 20 cents or something by not taking a disposable one and my are travel yeah they hold are in... people like not loving that or well um i'm i'm just saying like my travel mug holds in heat so much better but yeah like with these disposable cups um i guess one issue could be people um just finding it inconvenient uh and so that could be you know something of a, a downside for the company uh but really i mean wait really what like where are you going with it where are you okay, going with starbucks because i like to use the mobile app the order ahead and there's no way to use your own oh. uh container with the order ahead i like i'll get there and then i'll just transfer it to my uh thermos and then throw out the, the cup making a ton of waste uh so i i'm happy that they're coming up with ways you know creative ways to solve that problem by serving the to-go order you know in a reusable container that i can then just transfer to my uh my yeti mug wait what does this have to do with batman Oh, just promoting oh, sustainability. Warming. Yeah, okay. yeah. It's like, wait a minute, wait a minute. No, no, I agree. I'm all about it. And I I love the little steps. And like in Minneapolis, when I lived there, it was like you'd pay 20 cents more to have a plastic bag or whatever. So they'll, they'll find a balance between convenience and also like ethics, I guess you'd call it ethics, maybe. Or yeah, well, the, global I mean, awareness. That's, you know, it, it is, you know, uh, I'm honestly yeah resource consumption and waste generation totally ties in with ethics because like we should strive to be just less wasteful as people and and yeah. that has economic benefits as well uh, you know there's certainly plenty of people who benefit economically from overconsumption and waste you know if they're just well if it, that's just an incentive for you know selling more and more products but if we can all learn to keep things simpler you know we can be happy despite 
maybe consuming less while also having everything that we could possibly need. We don't necessarily have to be deprived of necessities. <laughs> we will have all our basic necessities. We just don't have to go so far, you know, off the deep end, you know, with, with our extravagance in many ways. Uh, How so, logical so, you speak. I wish everyone <laughs> thought like you, Philip. Well, I, and extravagance is a lifestyle, unfortunately, for a lot of people. It, it is. I mean, it's a, st it's a status symbol to have the branded cup or, you know, just the, the things like that people kind of cling to and they don't want to let go of. So I feel like yeah. if Batman was real and he was walking our streets, he'd be picking up trash, he'd be recycling. He'd be knowing <laughs> that we're living a gluttonous life over here. I guess, yeah, one way to be a hero is just, yeah, try Aww. to... Curb your yes. <laughs> your consumption. Your consumption. I mean, everyone knows this, and you know, you'll roll your eyes whenever you hear these kinds of messages because we've all had it beaten into us so many times. So, I, I love it. I appreciate, yeah, just you know, yeah, even if you are down for the cause, so to speak, you know, you'll you'll maybe roll your eyes at these types of things, sort of like the movie Don't Look Up. Which, you know, oh, even... did we talk about that? No, no, no we, were, but... we were on our hiatus, but maybe someday if we're bored, I would love to chat that one it's off. like a, a liberal screed, a yeah, about It freaked warming. me out. It did its job. It, it really, I was up for days. Yeah. And... I was recycling for days. <laughs> yeah, and yeah, not, there, there are plenty of people who, of course, sympathize with the message who are like, oh, this is just way too on the nose. I don't know, I thought it was kind of funny. I, I, there were, it I had thought it was... Ones. It was good. And yeah. I mean, I know we're not talking yeah. about that today, but like the ending, it, it, it shocked me. <laughs> I saw it building up the whole time and I was still like, wait, what? Yeah, I, I, <laughs> so I, didn't, I liked it. I didn't know how it was going to end. I felt like it could have like and honestly, I'm I'm not yeah, I'm not going to spoil it. But um, oh, no, well, I'm just glad um, that that it didn't really uh, telegraph the ending, you know, because it. it it had a hopeful theme. It had lots of hopeful themes, uh, but also, you know, balanced with with cynical and Adam McKay, you know, known for his humor, uh, his comedy films. You know, I, I think because of that sensibility, there was always the sort of coin flip of, you know, how how exactly is this going to turn out? But uh, I, I suppose if he really wanted to, he could have made two different endings and you know could have been like clue you know you, you just uh either one ending goes to theaters with the main distribution then the other just gets saved for home consumption or or you send them both out and it's like uh <laughs> it's a coin a toss roulette. Mm -hmm. yeah yeah anyways well uh thank thanks so much to you know the listener for putting up with my ramblings on this episode um but I they have... know it all ties in together we're all <laughs> one it's all the great circle of life so a good listener will recognize that I, and i had all too much fun talking about the batman with you jody uh do you have any more final thoughts on the film my final thought is if you haven't seen it watch it and if you've watched it thanks for listening Awesome. Um, can people find you anywhere on social media? Yeah, like I said last time, I've been on TikTok lately. I didn't stream this one, but um, it's Jody J O D I Pulaski P O L A S K Y forty seven. I'm just trying to stay young and with the times, so find me on TikTok. Uh, we're forever young, sort of like uh, like time is not real. <laughs> Napoleon Dynamite, Alphaville. It's a classic, oh. uh, and. Uh, 
yeah, that's it's uh, what an exciting time to be alive. Uh, <laughs> the, and frankly, too many people who sort of feel cynical about that proposition. Um, and and they have sort of a right to be, I think. <laughs> but, yeah, I was uh, going to say they can join us here on the podcast because sometimes that's me. <laughs> but I, I am a Pollyanna. I, I should I should consider myself a, a self-ascribed Pollyanna. Frankly, it's about time I, I made the jump and just uh, <laughs> just like cop to it because nobody wants to uh, to claim that distinction. So perhaps I shall. Um, it's, it's sort of like the word thawed. It doesn't get used a lot. It's I, I typed it into the IMDb search bar um, and there was only like one title that showed up, uh, thawed cop. <laughs> so I guess we're going to have to talk about that on the podcast at some point. Thought, I'm down uh, for anything. Thoughtcast conversations about animation. If it's awkward to say, I mean, I, I thought it was cool sounding because it rhymes with podcast, but um, you know, it, it'll you repeat it enough times, it'll eventually stick. Uh, this has been our review of The Batman, directed by Matt Reeves. Thanks so much for listening. You can find us thoughtcast.com, SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher. Uh, all those alliterative uh, S words and iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and hopefully I'll find a few other places to host it as well that are worth mentioning. Uh, I'm Philip Elke. Uh, you can find me at Philip Elke on Twitter and Instagram. You can find the Thodcast at Thodcast on Twitter and Instagram. And uh, thank you once again so much. Have a uh, magical day. Have a wonderful week. Warm hugs. <laughs> <laughs>